Hi, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. If this is your first Geekscape, you've got yourselves a real treat for the next, let's say, 30 minutes to an hour, because this is the Geekscape Madame Web special. That's right. You're, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Um, this is a week and a half after the movie came out, but let's be honest, um, I don't think I could have made it through a Geekscape uh, with my allergies the way that they've been going. I didn't have a voice and was bedridden for two days last week. Uh, after I recorded the last episode on the feed that you'll find with our uh, Yeah Okay, Y-A-OK co-hosts, uh, new podcasts on the channel, um, I pretty much just fell apart. The allergies got me, and it was just nasty congestion, and I lost my voice for the most part. You can kind of hear a bit of raspiness or a lot of raspiness in my voice now, uh, but I wasn't going to let you down. I know you've been asking for this. This is the Geekscape Madame Web special, and um, I've got Christian Blatt here to join me on this, and I just want to tell you that... Um, we're in for it. This this movie was as advertised. Um, what you've heard about it, but I don't think you've heard it our way. Um, Christian's already talked about the movie extensively on the Geekscape Network, but now you're getting it from Jonathan's perspective. Because Jonathan is now, that's me, hi, your host. Welcome to Geekscape. Uh, if you haven't seen Madame Web, we're going to spoil it. If you don't carry, or you've seen it, continue on. Uh, but my disclaimer is that if you guys have been with Geekscape the last few years, you know that I'm good friends with Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless, two of the credited writers on this movie, who are also credited uh, with um, Morbius. And I got to tell you, uh, I've been texting with the boys, and I went and saw their film, and I will touch on that later. I'm not going to share the contents of our text conversation, but later in the show, I'm going to play Sony Executive, and we're going to talk about putting this spider-man-less spider-man universe together and why you would make similar decisions to the ones that were made and how making movies is hard that's not an excuse for some of these films but um it just takes one little shift to the left or right and and you end up with some of these movies that we end up with um is this movie fun well we'll talk to christian about it and see what he thinks uh i'm glad i saw it but remember, I actually had a blast watching Morbius with Ian and Justin. And it was so much fun watching that with my two friends who know the character, love comic book movies. And I think what a lot of people have said since Morbius in perspective is, is it really throws back to the movies we got in the 90s. Like the superhero movies that they were just throwing at us, right? Like as we're starting to go into uh batman and robin but we are also going into blade and stuff like that where it's like okay what is this genre let's just throw stuff on screen in the superhero vein and uh and something like morbius is appropriate to that that being said something like madame webb is similar to what we got prior to the mcu with something like a 2003 superhero movie with the, where the success of sam raimi's spider-man led to the green lighting of things like the ben affleck daredevil and maybe some of the other fox stuff like the fantastic four movies that we got with, uh, you know, with, um, you know, uh, Jessica Alba, et cetera, where it's like, okay, like we are putting these properties on screen. Have we, have we cracked the nut on how to truly present them? Well, I think some of the team had, 
And I'll tell you right now, if I'm going to make a Craven, uh, if uh, Craven's coming next, if I'm going to make a Morbius movie, I'll tell you, I'm going to hire to write that script. I'm going to hire Burke Sharpless and Matt Sazima. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. They already gave us a movie. No, 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 no. I'm going to hire them because there's nobody I know. And I know Ian Kerner. Remember, <laughs> there's nobody I know who has a bigger appreciation for the seventies Marvel horror in those stories, specifically Morbius than Burke Sharpless. Like he just loves the stuff. And Matt is a really solid writer. I walked the picket lines with Matt and we talked story a lot. And uh, if you watch Netflix is lost in space, that's a great series. And they were, I think co-creators, co-showrunners on that. And it's really strong. And so what happens? Well, we got to start looking at some of the other shared um, ingredients <laughs> in these, <laughs> in these, these things. Um, but you know, and, and you, we're really not going to know, but I'll tell you this. If somebody came to me and said, Hey, I need a Morbius movie written. I'm going right back to those guys. And I'm telling you the truth. Uh, Madam Webb, I think there's a way to do it. Did they do it here? <clears throat> We're going to talk about that. <laughs> so you're in the right place for it. All right. Facebook users are already like, hey, I felt duped. I was telling everyone based on the trailer, this is going to be awesome. Well, we can talk about the trailer. But why did you say that? I mean, when has a Spider-Man movie sucked? <laughs> Uh-oh. All right, Facebook user. Uh, I got you. Uh <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw mud. All right, making movies really hard. These are these are things that have a lot of variables and then a lot of different creative pieces, uh, a lot of production pieces, a lot of expensive pieces, and you get a couple of them wrong. And I mean, these are unique things that are trying to be made like an assembly line, and, and therein lies the problem. Uh, do they have a unique voice? Well, it's hard to make a unique voice movie at this level, but. How do you invest in that as a studio when you have to answer to stockholders? How do you say, hey, we're going to James Gunn this, right? Like you listen to the, you watch the James Gunn movies. You, you can tell there's a strong voice there. You know, he's got a ton of collaborators. It's all great, but there is a strong voice there. You watch some of these really, you know, Sam Raimi, there's a strong voice there. You see some of these, these directors who've been successful with the superhero franchises and there's strong voices there. Ultimately, how do you convince your stockholders that that you're going to put a lot of the, the responsibilities for creative decision making in one person it gets a bit scary so you understand why some of this stuff happens and you start to have editing or writing by committee but we're going to get into that all right you're in the right place to watch some madam web talk let's roll the credits let's, let's start geekscape up properly uh and um and here we go. Let me find the uh, theme song, and we'll be right back with Christian Blatt to talk Madame Web. All right, Geekscape, you're in the right place for the Madame Web Geekscape special. Um, 
there will be spoilers, but also if this is your first time listening to or watching Geekscape, uh, subscribe. I promised you last week that I'd be sitting down with Chris Black to talk Monarch Legacy of Monsters, the Apple Plus Godzilla show. That happened last week. I just have not run it yet. Um, it's an awesome, awesome conversation about show running a major big budget sci-fi fun genre show. And we talk lots of kaiju. We talk uh, a lot of Kurt Russell and the awesome decisions he made on set and with his character. And uh, I just love Chris Black and I loved Monarch Legacy Monsters. And it was such, it was so cool to like pick his brain about such a big property and how to do it awesome, uh, which is kind of what we're going to talk about here with the Madam Web uh, special and how to do it properly for the big screen. Like these things are unwieldy at, at their sizes. And uh, I know that Madam Web and the Sonyverse spinoff movies of Spider-Man don't have the budgets that maybe some of the MCU ones do, but I think we got to go further back and see if the approaches are even uh, like appropriate in this stuff. And for that, I, I need help. And when I reach out to the web of the interwebs of the Geekscape, the Geekscape, I'm the Madam Web of the Geekscape, and I reach out to the hive mind and I bring back Mr. Christian Blatt, who's right here, who's also muted. You muted yourself, sir. Were you? Did you have a coughing fit or something like that? No, that was our uh, Aquaman episode where I had the coughing fit. But uh, <laughs> I know that this week uh, it's uh, possibly going to be you. Uh, in any case, uh, it's it's sort of like when you run into someone at a at a funeral or in a hospital waiting room i'm glad to be on the show jonathan i'm just sorry it has to be under these circumstances <laughs> well let's talk about that because I, I believe that was abe duenas in the uh our, our listener and um in the comments and he saw the trailer and he said this, this looks awesome i saw the trailer and i said well this is a movie that we unanimously said we didn't really i think any of these spider-man less spider-verse movies we 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 never see as fans are like hey we don't really need that but they're gonna give it to us um did the trailer look awesome i thought the trailer looked like oof um okay cool I had seen the trailer uh, a few times uh, by the time I forget what movie I was seeing with my wife, but uh, we went to go see a movie and uh, she leaned to me during it and she said one word, no. So <laughs> I knew I would be seeing that without her. And uh, we detailed over on Marvel Movie Talk right here on Geekscape. Uh, my buddy Eric Connor and I, we went uh, Valentine's Day afternoon because that's when it came out. And uh, we shared our thoughts and a little bit about our experience. But uh, it's easier when my wife doesn't want to see them because I can just plug it into the schedule wherever it works for me. And, uh, you know, uh, I did have the observation, which I mentioned on the show. We went, you know, it was a, it was a Wednesday afternoon in, in beautiful Burbank, California. And uh, I leaned to Eric and I said, I was in this theater when it reopened in the summer of 2021. And the distancing after reopening from the pandemic was uh, nothing compared to the distancing and a screening of Madam Web. First screening <laughs> well, of the day, really. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I almost went on Valentine's after dinner, but I was so exhausted. It just, I was not. I was. I was just not going to make it. Like I just was not going to make it through the movie. Uh, by the time Heidi and I were wrapping up dinner, we were like, "Let's not even try. Let's watch it the following weekend." But Heidi did want to see that because she's a big proponent of female fronted movies, and I think sure. that when when we talk about madam web and we also talk about like online bullying not that the movie is spectacular the, the movie is very much uh if i would describe it 
in in a short phrase i think i think the movie just is and there were things that that wrung out the potential of it some of it may have been the post process some of it may have been the rewriting um but it just it just the movie just is and uh and you'll find yourself watching the movie just being like okay like there's not a lot of peaks and valleys in this narratively and or stylistically and i'm just like kind of waiting for this to be done. It does feel like these things are being made by committee and you feel them strongly in these spider, spiderless, Spider-Man and Spider-Verse movies. Yeah. But Heidi wanted to see it. And I do think that in the online commentary, there has been some like just jumping on it because incel factor, like this is a movie with a female lead with female leads. And I think there's a way to do this movie, right? This isn't it, you know? And when I, when I was, as I'm watching the movie, uh, the thing that started entertaining me the most was trying to just look for the, the Pepsi tie-ins like they were Easter eggs. <laughs> That's what was getting me through. It was like, okay, when, is, when are they going to get another appearance of a Pepsi product? Because even in like the coverage of the scenes where the characters are drinking Pepsis, it didn't matter. Like the art director was told to turn the logos towards camera, regardless of whether or not the, the well, of course, yeah. Wrote properly and, and by the way those were 2003 accurate pepsi cans the blue sure. sort of sea you know so well done on that part you know but but christian the the end of this movie takes place on a giant pepsi logo and it's not tongue-in-cheek in the same way that we've seen the fox logo in the next deadpool wolverine trailer right. where it's yeah. like we're gonna make fun of deadpool in the in, in like the fox disney merger and we're gonna have a giant set piece on the old fox 20th century fox logo this is a serious battle on top of a burning warehouse where there is a uh, a Pepsi logo that it, they are literally fighting upon. And it is as it's falling apart, it's going to be used as a weapon to crush the bad guy and this and that. And I'm like, oh, the Pe- Pepsi logo is a major set piece here. Oh. We should uh, take a look at Pepsi stock since February 14th and see the negative impact that being associated with this film has had on it uh, because I feel like it's uh, it might be irreparable. You know, uh, you know, Coke was able to recover from new Coke. I don't know if Pepsi comes back from this. <laughs> well, I think uh, honestly there people would have had to see the movie. To give it a negative <laughs> a great point, right? Because like great point that 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 awesome trailer Abe Duenas saw, where he thought the movie was awesome. Like, there's no, I mean, it, it there was no Pepsi tie-ins there or like product placement, but it it the movie doesn't go ten minutes without it. Well, why don't we just start at the beginning? Um, yeah, the, the similarities, and you have to talk about the rest of the Spider-Manless Spider-Verse because the similarities in these movies were these characters are getting these powers in like blood accidents, right? Like Morbius injects himself. Madam Webbs gets her powers in utero from her mother. Who's researching spiders in the Amazon. Why are they always the Amazon? And are they the same bats that are like, are they, do they have similarities to the bats that Morbius was getting in the Amazon? And by the way, then, by the way, honestly, probably that's yeah, probably a the story bats point somewhere feed yeah. on the spiders. And that radioactive stuff gets yeah. into them. And now, so, okay. And then from what we can tell from the Craven trailer, like a lion, he gets shot and like a lion's blood goes into him. And it's like, okay, like the, the infusion of blood, that's like special blood to create these Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse characters, like right there. We, we like, I think you get one of those 
And yeah. then you got to figure out another like way to get your character superpowers. But here, the the wheels kind of started coming off for me in that first scene where we have Cassie's mother in the seventies taking photos, researching this this miracle spider that's hard to find, and it will bring miracle cures to people if she can just get it. And when she puts it in the jar, you find that one of her helpers in the Amazon, Ezekiel Sims is like wants to steal it and immediately i I was like ezekiel sims did wanted to do what the treatment of ezekiel in this movie is more like the treatment is more like moreland than anything right and now geekscape is the the similarities between these two characters are that they were both created by john romita jr right like john romita jr was the original artist on both of those uh characters We've got, you know. Oh no, this is something different. That's different. Yeah, but yeah. both these characters so, were originally drawn by John Romita Jr. Denny O'Neill helped create Madame Web, and there's not a lot of creators greater than Denny O'Neill. Uh, yeah. She's but, a but, clairvoyant. Yeah, so, so, but Madame Web, sorry, I thought you were talking about Ezekiel. Yeah, no, that's no. Madame, Madame Web was but... a, she, she's introduced in 1980. She's a clairvoyant. She can see things as a mutant, right? She's technically a mutant, and then. And this start, when I start researching this stuff and seeing the connections, I start thinking, wait, okay, you don't have Spider-Man. It doesn't mean these movies shouldn't be connected in their own way because Madame Web, part of her powers are tied into being attacked by Craven the Hunter's daughter. You could have just given that role to Craven the Hunter. You could have connected Madame Web to Craven the Hunter in that way that maybe someone from Craven's camp or this and that is helping Cassie's mother find these spiders whatever it is but immediately like giving these people separate movies and not create trying to create a universe in and of itself makes these movies live and die on their own whereas i think that you could find interconnected ways to do it connectively so they could support each other at least but i mean you still have to make the movies quality but narratively madame webb's origin in her story is tied into the the Kravenoffs, of which Craven the Hunter is like the main known one, and we're gonna get his movie next year or whatever. But that's the next one up. Does that make sense? And so when I started seeing that, like that job was given to Ezekiel Sims, and in the comics, Ezekiel Sims, created by James Michael Krasinski, is an amazing writer and drawn by John Romita Jr., who I love. Ezekiel Sims is somebody who saw the this whole and it gets really spiritual geekscape so there's a bit of spirituality in this one so just hang with me we're going to get through this as fast as i can there are these things called spider totems and peter is one of them and these are like think like nacho libre how he is not like eagle powers they're different totems and they inhabit people right superheroes and peter has a spider totem now ezekiel sims also has it ezekiel sims basically has spider-man's powers He's older. He's 57 years old or 67 years old. And when he meets Peter, he's trying to protect them from the, uh, from like these oncoming hunters who are trying to kill spider totems. They feed on them like vampires. That character is called Morlin. In this movie, Ezekiel Sims is treated more like Morlin hunting spider people than Ezekiel Sims in the original Spider-Man movies, which is like uh, Spider-Man comics, which really confused me. Because I'm like, that's supposed to be Ezekiel Sims, who's a technically a good guy. And the only difference between Ezekiel Sims not becoming Spider-Man himself is Ezekiel Sims used his spider powers for vast wealth and to monitor the spider totems. 
And later, if they ever do like a uh, a silk movie out of these, and they've talked about doing a silk series or a silk movie over at Sony, that's the that's the Asian counterpart to Peter Parker. The origin story there is that Ezekiel Sims put her in a vault to hide her from Moreland and the people hunting the spider powers. So when I see the trailer and I see Cassie protecting the spider women from Ezekiel Sims coming to kill them, I felt like they took Ezekiel Sims's narrative and gave it to uh, Moreland's narrative and gave it to Ezekiel Sims. And I was like, Oh, that guy's a vampire trying to get spider powers and suck spider people dry. And that's what this is. It's, it just became so convoluted. And from the beginning, I just started going like, wait, what's happening. And by the time the native tribe in the Amazon started coming down from the trees, like spider people wearing what looked like Farscape outfits, and there was a magic pool where her dying mother gave birth to, to Cassie and she's imbued with these spider clairvoyant powers. I was like, Oh no, we are in for it now. It, it, it was, I was like, Oh boy, here we go. Did you have a similar situation or were you checked out from the beginning? No, I wasn't checked out from the beginning, but uh, I was uh, very uh, hesitant from the beginning. You know, the Madam Web that uh, that I'm familiar with is that Denny O'Neill version, and this is Ezekiel, I believe. Without if you're watching this on artist, Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube, yeah. we're putting a picture of Ezekiel yeah. up. I believe the. Uh, I don't think it's signed, but I think that's Eric Larson. Uh, and you no, know, the, that is at, that is Adam. Oh, that, that, is, that is that is that is Adams. That oh, okay, is absolutely. A Adam art Adams, picture, an art yeah. Adams picture. Yeah, it does look like an art Adams, Adams yeah, is yeah, the yeah. goat, and I see why you're confused because all those image guys, including Eric Larson, worship at the, at the right, at the and and just of because of the era this Adams. was, that's actually the main reason I thought it was Eric Larson. Yeah. But yeah, now that you say it, and a uh, huge fan of uh, Art Adams, but art Adams is uh, I was always expecting, and this is right at the end for where I threw my hands up and I gave up on Spider Man, but I was still in at this point. I just from what he looks like for our visual audience, I was always expecting this is some like, you know, time traveler, alternate dimension, uh, Uncle Ben. You know, I always felt like Mm. that's what he looked like. Like, I thought this was Uncle Ben. And, you know, that's a more interesting story than this movie. What you said about him actually being a vampire and looking to suck the spider essence out of these three spider women. Also a better movie than the one we got. And I think you do run into a problem when you have multiple rewrites and different people have different senses of the lore that's involved. Uh, I I do have uh, something that's worth, I think, sharing on screen (laughs) when you have it. This is just, it's a list of all the writers. And I think it's important. And I noticed this when we saw it. So this is directly from IMDb. So it's got your friends, uh, so Sazma and Sharp, uh, Sharpless, those are the guys you know, yeah. right? Yeah. But then and, there's and also Karam Saga right. helped with the story, sure. Yeah, but then there's also there's also uh, Claire Parker, S.J. Clarkson, who's the director, and then yeah, you have Karam, and then you have them again, and it's just it's these different clumps of writing teams and writing partners, and you can only wonder when you see that is like okay, there's somewhere along the way there's at least one very different movie. And I think when you start doing rewriting based on here's what the director thinks, all of a sudden you lose maybe any of the threads that 
have honestly that really worked. You uh, had said that this movie just is, and I do agree that making any kind of content is very hard. And I'm usually not very critical of a lot of the movies. Uh, you and I will sometimes disagree on a movie. And there's a mo- there's movies where I'm like, no, that didn't really work out. But uh, here's what I'm able to find in it. This is this is a movie that I I found to be uh, irredeemable. Uh, I I knew someone who works somewhere in the in the Sony camp, and they asked what I thought of it, and I was like, I I want us to stay friends. I I, I don't want to tell you. And this person said, uh, we probably all agree with you. And uh, yeah. I I didn't want them to get themselves in trouble. So basically, to me, I I can't paint this with a huge brush where I would say this is the worst movie I've ever seen. It is no. one of the worst movies I've ever seen in a theater. It's not the worst is, Marvel movie. Uh, I see. That's where you and I disagree, and I'll explain to you. I would say that, and and again, this is all subjective. All subjective. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Look, I just, I. By the way, I would love to meet somebody who saw this and had fun and was able to enjoy it. Like well, let me tell you, Gary M. Kenny's son is he's in the chat. He says it'll be a boob- oh, movie cl- called okay. Classic Perfect. in fifteen years. My ten-year-old actually enjoyed it, and I, I love it. I love that he enjoyed it, and I'll tell you. I texted Matt and Burke and I said, guys, I had fun watching the movie because again, 12 year old Jonathan wishes he had these movies and he got one. And did yeah. they all get knocked out of the park? No. Is this one even a base hit? No, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. But, but, but that being said, like I got to see like Aranya on screen. Yeah. I got to see spider woman on screen. Julia I got Carpenter, to see yeah. Julia Carpenter on screen. Maddie I got to see some, this, yeah. the, oh, Maddie's in this. Like I got to see some cool stuff. And if they had taken the character that they call Ezekiel Sims in this movie and just made him Moreland, it would have solved him time. Ju- like you said, he's time jumping. Moreland travels dimensions and travels the web. He uses Madame Web. It made a lot of sense for this character to be Moreland and not Ezekiel because Moreland uses Cassandra's Cassie's web and what she can see the realities to climb it to different realities to hunt hunt Spider-Men and Spider-Women and Spider-Totems and suck them dry and take the power for himself. When I saw that in the trailers, I was like, that makes sense if that's Morlin. If it's not Morlin and it's Ezekiel, who's actually trying to protect people from Morlin and put them in these safes where they can't be detected before Morlin takes their scent, then this doesn't work. If this character had been Morlin, this movie would have been closer to something that works right but i think that honestly the reason why to me it's worse than a morbius or electra i'm picking the two what are universally considered two of the worst is that those films are both anchored by especially in the case of morbius an incredibly talented actor who i've seen be brilliant before and it is a movie that doesn't work on so many levels he's interesting to watch jennifer garner i watched her on tv for six seasons or whatever i find her interesting to watch even in a bad movie uh i i think that you know they both give a compelling and capable performance in a movie that doesn't work. I find Dakota Johnson neither compelling nor capable. And uh, shout out to the most recent episode of Marvel Movie Talk, where I was talking to Chris Claremont, who had not seen this. Mm. I stumbled into saying the phrase, it's like looking up at the screen and seeing a bag of wet laundry. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. All right. 
it was very hard for me to watch her in this movie. Uh, what I will shout out is I think uh, Celeste O'Connor, who plays Maddie, is tremendous. She's in the, the recent Ghostbusters movie. She's in a wonderful, hugely depressing film that Zach Braff made last year called A Good Person. Uh, oh, that's so, good. That's depressing. I, know. I wanted to watch oh, it. Oh, my God. Oh, cool. oh, no. oh my God. So depressed. It's oh, really no. well made. Exactly. Brilliant performances. <laughs> uh, but he was dealing with some dark stuff uh, wow. at that time. But anyway, she's great in it. And I think Sydney Sweeney is just incredibly misused. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the problem, I, I'm speaking for myself, my issues with Dakota Johnson, but it's like this movie is a prequel, but they didn't make the actual thing yet, you know? So it's like, this takes place 20 years ago because they want to give us all these spider characters in the future. And it's very cool at the prospect that maybe we would have gotten them. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine we see any of them now, but who knows? You never know. You could get one of these. We've seen all of them in through this, in across the spider verse. We've seen all of them in the spider verse films, which are, are same studio, different department. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, you know, and I, I think that it, I, I don't know, it, it is one of those rare movies where I feel like the, 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 the lead didn't know what they signed up for and isn't really that interested in being there. And like, that's subjective because I was already not enjoying it by the time I started to feel that way. No, I, I think in the, in, in some interviews, she has said that, <laughs> that she was kind of like on the out from knowing exactly what is happening because of the rewrite process, because of reshoots, because of all the things that went into trying to veer this thing back towards it. And I think ultimately, you know, people love Kevin Feige. I love Kevin Feige. People sure. be like besmirch the stuff that is happening over at star Wars or the Disney stuff. But I mean, that stuff is so hard to do. But if, I think if you peel yourself back and you look at the pieces you have, right? Let's say you're Sony and you, you have everything but Spider-Man. You have a Spider-Verse, but, but contractually you, you're sharing Spider-Man with Marvel because it's becoming increasingly valuable for you to have Spider-Man movies that are that are critically acclaimed and profitable and tied into the MCU. And now you have some of these other toys, right? Like let's say you're Andy and you don't have Woody or Buzz Lightyear, right? But you got to make a movie about the dinosaur or Mr. Potato Head and all this stuff. Like, like we have all the army men. We, we can do the army with men, them. Right. And those, there have been like Disney has been able to make movies like that shorts, yeah. at least that are successful. And, and I found myself today thinking about this. And, and again, I know that there's a version of Morbius that Burke and Matt handed in that is, very close to the seventies comic Morbius and it's a bit of a horror movie and it's, and it's Morbius becoming a vampire and, and he's tied very closely to the stuff that was having in the seventies where he's homeless and he's horrified by the need for blood and he doesn't know how to cure himself. And as he's trying to, to figure out a way to cure himself so that he doesn't become this monster and doesn't ultimately kill somebody, uh, there's someone else that he has to stop. And the only way to stop him is to give into these powers and become the monster in order to stop him. I think that's a, I think that's a really cool narrative. Uh, Somewhere it just got washed up and suddenly like his, his weird lab got turned into like a, it's something else. And, and it's in, in the idea of being cool became more predominant than being truthful to a character. And if I'm looking at these three properties, I'm including Craven and, and I pitch you on them. Tell me you're not going to go for this, right? If I come to you and I say, okay, we don't have Spider-Man. Because I think the trouble with all three of these, and I'm just speaking preemptively for the Craven movie, is 
is that Spider-Man is involved. I think if you right. take Spider, I think that if you take the hint of Spider-Man, the possibility of Spider-Man, and of course we could talk about the multiple references that happened around the, the Ben Parker character here to Ben Parker's nephew that's about to be born that was not named, but like the amount of hints they made in this movie to his, Peter, his it, his girlfriend like, that is really the one that he's met that he doesn't name, the fact that his uh, sister's name is Mary, and that Richard is always out of town working for you know whatever his job is, uh, yeah. And there were uh, so many references to Peter without naming Peter yeah, in this movie I, that I was like, guys, just remove Spider-Man from the board. Right. And, and I mean, cowboy fan, I love cowboys fan 92. Who's over on YouTube right now. Sorry. It's took me a while, but you're, he's all caps and out. He's, he's like, he's yeah. Like, cowboys fan is always all caps. Yeah. Love you. Cowboys fan. And he's like, nothing makes logical sense or just common sense. I'm with you on most of that. A lot of that. Yeah. And he says, but, but hear me out. Let's say that you're, like hey christian come on in for the meeting have a seat this is where we're thinking about going with these spider-verse characters but immediately the first move i'm going to do is say hey peter parker and probably miles morales once we get to him the live action versions are shared with disney and marvel we we are going to make sure that those are part of the mcu they're tied in with avengers like movies and we can only play with the toys that are left we can make a craven movie we can make a Morbius movie. We can make uh, whatever we want to make, but we can't use Peter. I think that removing him in almost as far from you as you can, so there's no gravitational pull to even hint at that character, helps a lot because suddenly you're looking at the idea of making a Blade movie, in which they made two before they introduced Dracula, but Blade was introduced in Tomb of Dracula. Yeah. So this is like making a, that first Blade movie, but being like, oh, wait, but we have to reference Dracula. Well, you saw in the third movie, once they added Dracula, that was the first Blade movie that you're like, right? <laughs> but we had two solid Blade movies yeah. that didn't even have a hint of Dracula in it. But today, traditionally, you'd be like, wait, Dracula's the name. Dracula's the appeal. We can't have a Tomb of Dracula adjacent movie called blade without having dracula at least in it and that's kind of what sony's doing now is like oh wait but spider-man's the appeal we can't have a spider-man adjacent movie without having a reference to spider-man in it but they're going to need to because a morbius movie as i described where dr michael morbius takes on these powers it takes on these powers because he's trying to cure himself and in anything turns himself into a bloodthirsty monster that is a horror movie and that is a horror movie that has a chance of a hero and that is a movie closer to blade of which those first two blades we enjoyed if I were to come to you and say, hey, have a seat. This is what we're thinking about doing with the Madame Web. We don't have Spider-Man. We're not even a hint at Spider-Man. But we have the chance to make a clairvoyant movie in the vein of Final Destination with some superpowered characters. I think a superpowered version of some characters racing for their life, of which you probably have to kill some of them to make it stick, Agreed. similar to a Final Destination movie. Where she has some premed like some precognizance in like clairvoyance, but can't stop it because Morlin, and I'm just gonna make the villain Morlin in this movie yeah. because it ties in perfectly to Madame Webb. You can't stop Morlin. He's coming. He's climbing your own web to get each of you. You can try and protect them all you want, but ultimately he's gonna start ticking them off. This is a horror movie, and it's a race to the finish, and it's similar more to Final Destination than anything. I'm greenlighting that movie. And if you come to me with a Craven the Hunter movie and you say, hey, we're going to do a, a Craven the Hunter movie, but it, spinning off of Madame Web because we're going to put Craven in Madame Web as one of the people who help her find the spider at the beginning. Because 
Craven's family is part of Madame Webb's origin. I, I guess it's a lot of work, but yeah, uh, I would say, okay, let's, let's take a look at things like the most dangerous game. I'm going to take a look at things like ghosts in the darkness with Michael Douglas and that, that remember the, 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 the lion hunting movie from the late nineties, ghosts in the darkness, right. solid, solid movie. And I'm going to look at some of these movies I'm going to look at sniper movies. Hell, I'm going to look at Quickly Down Under and be like, okay, we're going to have a, we're going to have a freaking sniper battle in this movie because Quickly Down Under is a great movie. And the whole tension built in that movie is can they get away can they get far enough away from him before they're at a range of a sniper who can hit things from beyond anybody else on the planet? Like if you start working with the actual math of these characters and turning it into something that is smarter, but again, I'm I'm speaking from a singular position. I think you have to start making these movies from a singular position and interconnecting them properly. It all starts falling apart when you make things by committee. It all does. Yeah. But out of those three movies I just listed, which movie are you not going to want to go see? You'd want to go see oh, a Final Destination. I would want to go see. Yeah, absolutely. You'd want to go see a Ghost in the Darkness, most dangerous game movie about a, somebody who was like, oh, cr-. because remember, in the most dangerous game, if you've recently read that short story from the turn of the century or so, late 1800s, the main character in the most dangerous game is one of the greatest hunters in the world. He falls overboard and finds himself on an island where he becomes the hunted. Do it with Craven. Because Craven is based on the villain from that short story. He turns Peter into the main character from the most dangerous game. Craven, the last hunt, is basically most dangerous game with Craven cast as the what's the name of the character in most dangerous game? It's like a Russian. He's a Kozak. It's like the Krafanov or something like that, like Karnifov or whatever. Like if you just take Craven and make him the hunted in a Craven movie, you're watching it. You, it's going to end in a sniper battle. It's going to be the hunted versus the hunted. You're watching that movie. How? Yeah. How of all the movies you're this? talking about, the one that works the most just as the concept is definitely Craven. And, you know, you're talking about sort of a, a super powered final destination. And I think that's a huge problem with this movie with Madam Webb is that you get to meet these characters who will one day have superpowers. I naively thought that they would get superpowers in this movie as it went along, but never at any point do they have superpowers. And uh, I was like, oh, I mean, of these characters, the one that I know the best is Julia Carpenter, the the black costume spider woman who was introduced mm-hmm. in Secret Wars. And uh, yeah, she used to hang out with the West Coast Avengers and Force mm-hmm. Works. I was like, I, I'm like, I want to see that. And we get like. I don't know, three seconds of kind of a flash of the future of her in costume and, you know, and, and also Maddie and Anya, but it is. So it's just like, that's why I, I know Maddie from earlier. M2. Remember right. the late nineties when they wanted to, to build like a second before the ultimates, before the ultimate universe, they had like MC two, like the Marvel two. And they, she was oh, part of yeah. the young Avengers where there was a young juggernaut on the team. And so it was like all our kids. And in a way, Maddie, I think Maddie's still game in some of the canon as an alternate character and obviously you have aranya in a lot of stuff yeah uh, uh aranya has turned up in a lot of the uh, more recent animated stuff like the, and the one Spider-Verse that was just stuff. called yeah the one that was just called spider-man 
uh, she was on. They sort of like all went to high school together, you know, uh, Ghost Spider and everything. You know, it's it's tough to keep up with the continuity on that. But it was a character that they used. And honestly, that's the most of when I saw her is uh, is there. But yeah, I mean, uh, Maddie was always sort of I don't know, I guess it was like you know, amazing fantasy shows up mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I think that, uh, it's, these are all interesting characters and it's almost like, you know, you don't want some executive at Sony to point at this and go like, well, now we can never do them. I think that these actors won't play these characters. I think we will see them at some point, but to your point about these being movies without Spider-Man, my assumption based on literally nothing is that there's someone at Sony who's like, we need to keep all of these movies with the back door in case we ever have a dust up with Disney. And we're like, no, we're taking Spidey back. We're doing Spidey ourselves, which, you know, I mean, I never felt like it was going to happen after the, uh, I forget. It was after actually far from home. There was like that moment in time where they didn't have a deal in place. And Tom Holland had to do interviews Mm -hmm. where he's like, Oh yeah, you know, we'll bring you something. So I think that there are probably multiple people at Sony who want that. They're tired of like, look how much money we had to give to Disney for this thing that we bought. You know, so I think that's why they keep it all adjacent to it. I think even this movie, if you if you actually had Spider-Man swing into it, uh, a lot of the problems go away. You know, if uh, but you would uh, add Spider-Man to this movie. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean would, keep, let's keep in mind. I, I would add either if you've been listening to Geekscape for a while, subscribe. There's a rule here. I would add Spider-Man or Godzilla to any movie. The only reason <laughs> I haven't seen Killers of Flower Moon it's not called Killers of Flower Moon minus one. Yeah. But if it was, I'd watch the hell out of that. All respect to Martin Scorsese, who I love, and everybody, but like, some of these movies are too long. But yeah. if you put Godzilla or Spider Man in it, I'm watching that. I'm watching that like the Lord of the Rings, like, box set yeah. extended editions, man. Like, you put Spider Man in anything or Godzilla, <laughs> I'm watching that. Or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Or Astro Boy, or actually, there's a lot of characters. If you just Monkey add Island. a movie, oh my god, you add you add Guybrush Streepwood to anything, <laughs> I'm watching the hell out of this. All right, I'd be like, oh man, it, I mean, it does. It's it starts being incrementally better with those characters. Yeah. So yes, adding Spider-Man into this makes it better. But what I'm telling you, it's Spider-Man. He has such a gravitational narrative. Yeah. pull. he is the character that is figured out. He is the character that makes sense. He, you know, maybe not once they started turning him into Batman during the amazing Spider-Man two movies that they made. But I'll tell you what the sec that Andrew Garfield, he was my favorite part of, of no way home. I loved that. Yeah. And those two movies were movies that I felt were responses to the dark Knights box office where they went through and they were like the coffers and were like, what character do we have that we can make a Batman out of And those amazing Spider-Man movies were influenced in that way. Yeah, no, no, I definitely let's make him a loner. Let's make his parents mysteriously disappear, which they hinted at in this movie that the Ben Parker's a spy. I was like, well, do it. That that tells me that they they still have the Richard Parker's a spy. I was like, don't make Richard. They still have a script. If you remember the second Andrew Garfield opens, like the opening is Mary and Richard have to get out of town. That's when I so clearly there's a script somewhere that Sony still owns and they want to try and make. And this was the Parker's agents of Shield. Don't by the way the the meanest thing 
thing I saw about the characters in this movie uh, was uh, someone posted on Twitter. This is the first movie where I wanted to see Uncle Ben die. I actually don't agree with that, but it made me I laugh. Adam Scott. Yeah, I no, I, and, and I didn't even remember he was in it when the movie started. So it was like a, it was like that was like the one treat uh, in in this movie was to kind of get that, you know. I thought it would have been wonderful to have Morlin as the villain in this movie and have Adam Scott playing an Ezekiel role. As a good yeah. guy helping Cassie save these people from a vampire who is coming to suck their blood or suck their spider powers. And I'll quit harping on that fact, but that's a very clear movie. And yeah. I think ultimately when you don't make a clear movie, in comic movies, they can be clear. It doesn't mean they're stupid. I think people equate simple with stupid. But no, that those Star Wars movies are pretty the ones we love are pretty really simple. Right? Yeah. Most of them only take place on three major planet locations. Right, um, it's when they start getting a million planets that you're like, wait, well, slow down, slow down. But like a New Hope, you only have three places. Uh, Empire, uh, if you want to include like Dagobah and the asteroid belt, kind of take place yeah. at the same time. But you really only have three clear chapters, and they're marked yeah. by locations. Return of the Jedi, same. Uh, you you have three chapters marked by clear locations. Those Star Wars movies are very clear. Didn't mean they were bad, like simple. Like we enjoyed so many of the stuff in them. Holy Trinity, you know, like, so I think if you just strip things down, and this is something Stan, and I'm looking at my autograph Stan thing right here. The one thing Stan appreciated the most was the Shakespeare, the Dickens, the basics. And if in the first, I mean, if you hire me, if you were to hire me Fantastic Four, I'm walking in with some Shakespeare. I'm walking in because that's what Victor and Reed are. Like these are these they, they're like this is Shakespearean these relationships. And they're so clear in that way. And again, like you give me these Sony characters, you talk about these Sony characters, I think they need to be extremely clear. I think the blueprints have done been done successfully in other genres. You just have to start putting these characters in them. Oh my god, I would watch a most dangerous game Craven the Hunter movie like crazy. It's basically a reverse of of Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah. Let's have a new hunter. Maybe it's one of the Craven clones that they've done in the in the in the comics. And in Craven discovers he's getting hunted. No, no, no. he does the hunting, but now he doesn't. Yeah. And now you go for it. Sniper battles, hunter battles. I'd watch that movie. Craven battling a younger version of himself. Didn't they do that with Will Smith? <laughs> Um, didn't I'm, i mean ang, ang lee did that with will smith remember i'm wondering sort of uh, i don't want to dwell on it for too long but what are your thoughts on the uh, on the way that they handled venom i think that they managed to do that in a way where yes he could play in the spider-man sandbox at some point but he probably won't those movies aren't great i think the first one's much better than the second uh the the second i just kind of had to sit back and try and have fun and it succeeded at times and at others it didn't but I, I think that that does a better job of like, all right, we, we don't got Spidey in here. Although even then it's like J. Jonah Jameson's like son is an astronaut in it. So they're still pulling on the threads a little bit, but, uh, but back to my earlier question, how do you feel like those did Spidey without Spidey? Well, I think that first movie, again, like I think, I think you have to find like archetypes for these kind of movies, or at least a blueprint for these kind of movies in which they're successful. And that first Create, uh, that first sorry venom movie worked because it's a buddy cop movie and yeah. it's like two it's it, it's like 
It's like midnight run. Like it's like two people like handcuffed it's to each other. It's lethal weapon. Yeah, exactly. They're handcuffed to each other and they don't want to do it. Some of that, the some of the, the stuff that works is that fun of having combating people handcuffed to each other. One's crazy, doesn't know how anything works, is going to do it their own way because they're an alien symbiote. And the other one is like, whoa, hey, I think if anything, Eddie Brock was too, you know, it's it's tough because Eddie Brock without Peter, with Peter, Eddie Brock is a is a is a jerk, but without Peter, they just kind of made him like a slub and a never do well. And I think that if they'd have made him trying to to be more straight laced, and all of a sudden this fucking symbiote comes in and starts like making him do crazy shit, like the mask, because yeah. the mask is Venom. That's a Venom movie. If you look at the mask, oh, kind yeah. of a Venom movie. Yeah. Right? And the mask works. So, like, go back and watch The Mask. There is absolutely, absolutely, my own voice is getting to me, absolutely a precedent for the stuck together or addicted to the other, like, buddy movie. And The Mask is a great one. And, and, uh, but, but the main character in The Mask is very straight laced. And, and not that that has to be, you know tom hardy's version of that character but you know uh i think those are the best parts of it is when he's yeah. trying to do well and, and venom's messing him up and in and, and so yeah i mean i think the i think the problems i had with the venom movie were where there were logic leaps where venom acknowledges that all the villain has to do is get to the spaceship at the end to win yeah. And continues to fight the villain instead of clearly just going and destroying the spaceship and then being like, well, too bad, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, there was like yeah. crazy stuff in that movie. Like when they snuck in to get the symbiote in the first place and like she uses her key card to get them in. And then the next morning they're like, we don't know who broke in. And I'm like, motherfuckers, like, what kind of security do you have? She used her key card. <laughs> We saw a shot in a scene of her swiping her key card to get them in to get the Venoms. And the next day they're like, we, we find out who snuck in and stole the Venoms. We going to get you. And I'm like, bro, her ID key card. What the <laughs> hell kind of. So like little things like that took me out of the movie majorly where I was like, yeah. guys, just like you're not like just cross the T's and dot the I's and this movie works. You know, but mm, yeah. Well, you know, the, the Man ninety two. He agrees with me. He goes, well, I don't. Really, I don't really hate anything, and, and it's not that I'm a suck. I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a sucker ass, but hate. I reserve hate for things with pulses, because you can stop things with pulses. So you're saying this a movie? movie has no pulse? <laughs> no, it's a waste of hate. Like, like, like yeah, a movie, it's a waste of I hate. It's that. like, sure. I'm going to hate that. Hate keeps me up at night. When I hate something, yeah. like I have Christian Blatt. Remember when you weren't on Geekscape for like six, seven years? That was a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Cowboys yeah. Fan 92 disliked this movie. Yes, there are things that I oh. dislike. But hatred? Oh, hatred needs to run deep. It needs to keep you up at night. <laughs> it needs to make sure that you are devising machinations for revenge. That is the that is my definition of hatred. I don't want revenge on movies. I mean, I want my time back, but I don't want <laughs> yes, revenge. Yes, well, there's that. Yeah. You know, other things I hate dearly, and that drives me. Oh, man, give me a Venom suit right now. Give me the Venom. 
I think you're ready. Yeah, I think you're <laughs> definitely ready. But this uh, makes yeah. sense. And I, I know we're not talking about Madame Web as much. Well, it's, I think we kind of really hit the major points. I think you you were able to shrug it off afterwards. Uh, I, I think I needed a I needed a few hour detox after I saw it because I I was just baffled by what I had seen and what I had lived through. And you know, even a movie like Morbius we're talking about, or even the second Venom, you can see some twists and turns where it's like, well, if only they'd gone this way, it would have mm-hmm. worked better. I don't see this movie working. Not the not that no. the concept doesn't work, but this movie, it's not like Oh yeah, you know, you talked about the first Daredevil, the Fox Daredevil with Ben Affleck. Yeah, I stand by the fact that the first act of that is actually really well done as a great origin story. And the director's and the movie, cut when it yeah. adds some of the detective elements, I think the director's yeah. cut gets stronger as well. It, it definitely gets better, but it, it. But I mean, this was just sort of like, and I know we weren't supposed to like her, her character. I mean, and we didn't. But we can have an unlikable character. I mean, The Sopranos was built on that. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need a likable character. But it it just it, it wasn't for me. It wasn't particularly enjoyable to watch. And Morbius, you talked about how you had fun with it. I do know someone who saw this in a full theater where it kind of turned into a Rocky Horror Picture Show, and people were like laughing really loud and interacting. I saw Cats that way. So. The, obviously the the film not i wouldn't do that in a live theater but the film version of cats just sort of the the theater couldn't h- control itself sure i could see this being fun in that way but i don't think it's gonna get there i don't know i don't think it can yeah i think it's too i think it's too flatlined and and ultimately i would have loved to see it with you and eric i love you and eric i would love to see it with you guys would have had a blast um but and, we'll and save I a seat for I, you for Craven, by the way, John. Oh, guys, you know, in the in our group chat, I've been loving talking about the Craven, and I don't think I'm going to get the most dangerous game with Craven the Hunter. I don't think it's going to happen. But but uh, but but you haven't seen it yet. So what if what if you did? What if you're sitting here, and then all of a sudden you're like, it's like your Kaiser Soze moment. You're like, oh my mm. god, they gave oh me what god. I wanted. They did Ghost in the Darkness uh. with Craven the Hunter. I think ultimately would. The studio may have felt it feels worn out by the by the editing process. It feels worn out by studio yeah. process. I, I think so. when w- there's a movie that I enjoyed moments of that I that I also like the Marvels. I thought the Marvels started from a stronger place creatively, yeah. but the studio, the editing, and aggressively cutting that movie down also took a lot out of that. Like the first twenty minutes, you're not with those characters yet, and regardless if you've seen their Disney Plus shows or their previous films or this that. I think every movie has to be somebody's first. Every somebody sat down with the Marvels, not knowing those characters, and yeah. needed to be introduced to them in a fresh way at the first ten minutes of that movie, and didn't. They weren't. They were thrown into a bunch of like body swapping and stuff like that that was happening as holdover from the shows, and I think that was unfair to that movie. But felt like it was. It happened out of aggressive editing to get that movie into a sub. Like that movie's almost barely longer than Dumbo. Like that movie is so aggressively short. It's an hour 45. uh, And I think that is why it's the one MCU movie I've taken my kids to because uh, I, I I felt like they could get through it. And there's enjoyable stuff in there. The flirt and evacuation scene I felt was like totally fleshed out. Like that was like, okay, this is something that they shot totally fleshed out. The flirt and evacuation scene works. So there's hints of that in this movie. I wanted more hints of that. It just there was none of that, and and ultimately, like, glad my friends got paid. I really am. Like, I'm glad. Yes. I'm glad they get invited to the big game. I'm glad their movies get to be on the big screen. I, you know, I, I think I think it's hard to make these movies. It's very hard to make these movies with stockholders. 
tap in there, tap in the, tap in the, 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 the money and being like, Hey, don't spend too much and make sure this thing hits all four quadrants, like making a four quadrant movie. I just think that you, you end up with an in-betweener falling short of any of those quadrants when you don't have that singular goal, whether it's faulty or not. Right. Yeah. No. And I mean, this, you know, look, this movie opened on Valentine's day for a reason. And the fact that my wife leaned in and said, no means that, uh, you know, she's definitely the, who they should have been targeting. And she, she just wasn't having it. You know, she yeah. was, she was not on board for this. And how would you have gone? I mean, I would have gone final destination horror yeah. movie, Cassie, or Maddie trying to keep people out of, keep these people from Moreland with Ezekiel helping, not the, Ben Parker, not anything like Ezekiel and Maddie. Is Ezekiel is a guide teaching her powers, and maybe there's an event early, like Final Destination. You got the plane crash that they barely avoid. You got to have an event early. They all get some semblance of powers that are slowly getting bigger, but now there's this predator hunting them through the vert, through the Spider Verse, through the web, and you got to stay one step ahead of them. And I so, think that's the movie I wanted to see. If you look at this movie and you were to, you know, put everything on note cards chronologically, between 1973 and 2023, that happens in this movie. Keeping in mind that the 2023 portion is when Ezekiel gets killed and he gets beaten by all these three Spider Women. The only part of the story I'm interested in is the 2023 part. Mm-hmm. This is this is like interesting as like a prequel, a novelization tie-in, a comic book tie-in. I would have liked to have seen at least some of that. It would have helped if 10 minutes at the end of the movie are, you know, that present day stuff because he doesn't succeed. And I, I don't know why I can't come up with that at the top of my head. I wanted to see that stuff. That's the stuff yeah. that looks most interesting. There's a very misleading trailer, by the way, that says you should see this movie. We played it on uh, Marvel movie talk. Uh, you should see this movie for Sydney Sweeney. And you see every second of her in the black costume where she shoots the laser, mm. she swings upside down. And then, and I, we pointed out on our show, this is exactly how much screen time this has in the movie. What you just saw in this 10 second Facebook ad. Yeah. And Cowboy fans 92 is right. He's like, that never, that's never happening. They'll never learn. And I, and I, and I think it's, I think money changes a lot of things. Production realities change a lot of things and making sure you're four quadranting this stuff changes a lot of things. So it's, it's hard. Um, It's a, you know, they don't get off. They get off with a slap on the wrist for me. With, with uh, but, budget, there's always one point that I use is that sometimes a movie can still work even when the budget falls short. That first X-Men movie that uh, most of us all really oh like, the, 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 the ultimate, the finale fight scene happens in the gift shop at the Statue of Liberty because Dude. they wouldn't give them money to have it on the Statue of Liberty. And it is cheap. But it's like the story was so good, the cast was so good. It's like I shrugged it. I didn't think about the writing it. Writing like was so afterwards. good. Yes. When she yes. says, "Does it hurt?" and he says, "Every time." When Rogue says that, I was like, "They got this." I mean, honestly, the, when I sat in that theater in two thousand, and you saw that opening, and it said Auschwitz. Yeah. And you saw young Eric Lencher in the mud, and you, I was like. They gone and done it because prior to that point, all I had as a reference were the screenshots or the released casting costume photos that Amy Clunies put up, where you saw that they weren't going to be in yellow, they weren't well, yeah. they weren't going to be in the you know this and that. And I remember when they posted that stuff, black costumes, possibly influenced by the success of the Matrix, possibly influenced by the success of what they thought comic book movies should be at the time. I remember being like, "Oh, this is going to stink." Yeah, X Men's going to stink. I got to see it. 
opening night because it's of course a I, movie. Of course I went to go see but it, yeah. This movie's going to stink. And I remember sitting in the theater and seeing it open. It said, Auschwitz. And you see a young boy. And I was like, they gone and done it. They and gone the way, and done it. They went and it. made this movie right. And, and, it, and it held true. They made that movie right. And I think there's ways to do that with these characters here. Yeah. I, won't, I won't keep nailing that point. But I think ultimately the this, this studio is like, this one ain't, this bread ain't going to rise. Let's not even put an end credit sequence. <laughs> let's, let's let's not, not, there's let, no mid-credit let, sequence. There's no end credit let's sequence. Not let's not turn just, on the oven. By the way, the, what I thought would have been a great mid or end credit scene uh, is – No. Well, yeah, if they wanted to set up Craven. But you know, they, they play around with this whole thing the whole time, the Ben Parker. We actually get his name. And then these other unnamed things, if – Walking in at the end, visiting them at the hospital is sort of a you know a de-aged Marissa Tomei who mm. is Aunt May. I, I I it wouldn't have redeemed the movie, but it would have been like all right, they gave it to us, they rewarded us for our two hours. But yes, it, we didn't even get a trailer for Craven at no. the end. Even if you don't want to shoot a new scene, give us something, you know? But, yeah, I think yeah, I think they were like, happened. all right, we're gonna get out. We're we're out. We're out. Yeah. Um. Well, Geekscape is. I think we're out too. Uh, that's the Madam Web special, which I delayed the Chris Black conversation for. So I hope you're happy. <laughs> Give it a couple of days. I'll try and get it up by the end of the week. Because uh, I love Monarch. I love Chris Black. I love talking writing. I love talking TV. And that's just some of the stuff you find on this feed, right? There's conversations with everyone from, I think, Stan Lee to... Um, We've had some amazing people on this podcast. Kenny tonight. Johnson. Kenny Johnson. You yourself have had some amazing conversations with Kenny Johnson. I'm talking about the Geekscape feed. Yeah, no, no. We, the, one of them ended to, up on the Geekscape feed. Oh, my God. One like, about V. I loved it. The Geekscape feed. Yeah. And Christian has had conversations with uh, you know, Chris well, Claremont I, recently, J.M. Yeah. DeMatteis, as we talk about Craven's Last Hunt. Like, just you've been scoring some amazing gets, and I'm so proud to have you on the, on the network after – uh, hating you for six years. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's all right. You know, we worked through our issues that we didn't even realize we had. And uh, yes, the most recent, as we're talking now, the most recent Marvel movie talk is a conversation I recorded with Chris Claremont. Oh I promised his wife that I would keep it to 90 minutes. It's two hours and 20 minutes. And That's explaining to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, but uh, you're, point about the x-men movie and we touch on it in this but he had told me this before the moment when rogue asks wolverine does it hurt and he says every time chris stood up in 2000 and said yes they get it and that made him realize that they understood those characters so we talk about that we talk about a, a great ongoing series he's doing right now madripoor nights uh, which is sort of a flashback to that uh, Uncanny X Men 268 cover that people know with uh, Black Widow, Captain America, and Wolverine, um, and uh, the upcoming reprint of X Men Teen Titans. We talk about so many things, though. Uh, we even talk about Madame Web, even though he hadn't seen it. He'll tell you what he thinks about the end credit scene in the Marvels. He'll tell you how he would fix all the Fox movies, how he would have structured all of the Fox X Men movies. And now, all of a sudden, I'm starting to realize why it was two hours and 20 minutes. But uh, check <laughs> well, that out. That's Marvel, Marvel movie talk. Geeks game. So that stuff is water under the bridge. We're all, we're pushing forward. We got Deadpool coming out this summer. It looks great. Um, and it will make fun of all those that we can't fix. <laughs> and um, we got more Geekscape coming. I I haven't had a chance to watch these live action Avatar Last Airbenders. I but I I know there's people I want to bring on specifically to talk about it who are involved. I get solicited for other people to come on the show all the time geekscapist i just 
when I'm writing a lot or trying to make more creative pro- projects, I don't have a lot of time. I gotta, I gotta keep the Geekscape coming though. We have so many exciting things happening. I spent a lot of time today on Geekscape with my partners, Mike Kelly, George Callert, people who, you know, you may be familiar with or not. Like we're working on so many cool things in the network. So please subscribe to our other shows, search for Geekscape in your podcatchers. You'll find us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook too. The Geekscape Forever page is a great place for conversation. We have a chat going. It's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm Jonathan. This is Christian. You can find Christian at Christian DMZ on Twitter. Correct. Socials. And uh, this week we have the show I do once a month, uh, Geekscape Book Club. That'll be Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Eric Connor and I will be talking about uh, it's a collection of the first, I think, six to eight appearances of Echo in the pages of Daredevil. Hmm. And uh, I wanted to dive into that to tie into the TV show. And uh, it's some, I hadn't read any of those comics. They're phenomenal. You've so, never read them? No. Oh, the artwork yeah. alone. Oh, yes. my goodness. Like, yeah, those are great. Yes. Echo's a really solid character. And Geekscape, if you want to know what we thought of the TV show, it's back in the feed a few uh, a few episodes. Like, go back yeah. around this, uh, well, January. You can find those episodes where Ian and Kerner and I talk about the Echo series and how it compares to those issues. We do a lot here on Geekscape. And if this is our first Geekscape, subscribe. Share it with your friends. Do all that stuff. And we'll see you soon you'll hear from me soon with chris black i promise uh over and out geekscape is geekscape forever don't hate create remember what i said about hate save it for people you're listening to the geekscape network